This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zoopans. Where you're going to find uh, a new product, which is exciting to me, coming from the Northeast. Mm-hmm. They've got some private label, 100% pure organic maple syrup in their stores now. I've seen it. I saw it the other day. Didn't get any, but now I will. I love because pancakes. I can convince myself in this kind of advertising to yes. do that. No, I love pancakes so much. When I when I saw this, I actually got really, really excited because I love pancakes, and I love natural maple syrup. Right. Oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> Other thing uh, I'm really excited about and continuing to love is the strawberry season in full swing. Sweet Hood strawberry varieties are now in store. And they get theirs delivered fresh daily from Columbia Farms, which is on Sylvie Island. I was out there yesterday. Yeah. And we picked we picked Father's Day. A lot of strawberries. Uh-huh. Incredible. A lot of a lot of strawberries. Yeah. And to have them be able to just go down there and get them at Zupans, they are delicious. Yeah. Get them now. You can also get fresh figs, local cherries. They arrived just last weekend. So if you're into like fresh produce, this is the place to go, Zupans. It's the time. And also, as we've said before, sign up for their news. Feed. It's news with a Z. Right, because they have uh, some excellent offers, um, often two-for-ones, mm-hmm. free stuff, and just good to get emails from them. And, you know, the other thing, I was in Zupan's the other day. They have some beautiful plates and things. Oh, so yeah. if you're throwing parties now, this is it's not just food at Zupan's. There are a lot of things. And I put together a beautiful Mother's Day gift for somebody with lots of candles. Yeah. Zupan's, the oldest locally owned grocery store Mm-hmm. In Portland since 1975. Time once again for a Portland's Food Scene podcast. Uh, it's called Right at the Fork, for those of you. Imagine this, Chris. Imagine this is their first listening to Right at the Fork. We have to do that every time. We have to assume per- that's assume? everyone's first experience. You can't ex- assume that's true. that anybody's we, we, listened. Which is why we introduce each other. But I'm just saying, like, this is <laughs> this is a great episode to start with, because I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Yes, and uh, and someone I didn't know about not long ago, Javier Quinteras mm-hmm. of Urdaneta. Over on Alberta. That's right. So uh, Javier is our guest today. Chris Angelus is the other voice you're hearing from Portland Food Adventures. Oh, that's right. You're the professional here. We needed and, to get to this. And you're well, Chris just, Johnson. Yes, thank you. Um, from Right at the Fork. From Right at the Fork. And also your family Kink. and your life. Yep. And also uh, Kink. Kink and, and KXL, KXL. Radio. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, so I, I, I kind of made us go sideways there by by uh, getting excited about Javier. This is what we do on podcasts. It's not radio. It's not the same Fortunately, format. Fortunately, it's not. We can we can say what we want to say and do what we want to do, and we're very thankful that uh, people are listening. Yeah, and more people are listening. It's really fun to watch. Yeah, so like we're in our our fourth year right now, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's and it got, went fast. It goes just fast. Like this podcast went fast. Yeah. The good ones you just pointed out, the hour goes by really fast. Yeah, they do. Uh, other things that go by really fast. I can't believe we're just a few months away from your trips to uh, to Spain and Absolutely. Italy, and categorically appropriate. Yes, with, with Javier here. Yeah. Although we're going to Barcelona with Chef Jose, Chesa. It's all the same cuisine over there, right? Yeah, it's all the same. <laughs> it's really I'm, good cuisine. I'm kidding, by the way. No, it's really good. So we're going to eat like beasts in um, in Barcelona with Jose, our third trip, uh, September 20th. We still have a few wonderful spots left. And I have to say, every year we have a different group, and I love the tri- the group going to Barcelona 
this year. It's a little smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have room. We'd like to get 10 people. If you'd like to be part of that, it'd be fantastic. And then to Italy, uh, we're going with Chef Rink Jack- Rink. 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 Giacarelli. Love uh, that guy. Rick Giancarelli to uh, Tuscany. Um, and also my dear friend Astri uh, from Taste of Italy. Um, we're doing uh, seven days all over uh, Tuscany, coast, city, country, the whole thing. Nice. It's going to be really cool. There's another beautiful group. A lot of, quite a uh, single women going oh. on that one, too. So, uh, Don't know what you're getting at there? No, it's great. No, it's just <laughs> who happened to be there. We you're have one, one couple and a, and a lot of single women, some coming with or without spouses. I do got to say, uh, if you're a traveler and, and you're excited about this and then you're like, oh, I don't know about travel. If you've never traveled in a group before, some people might be in, the, in their mind thinking, I don't want to do that. You need to do it because the the memories, the bonding that takes place with complete strangers by the end of a week, your best friends, your you, you know, it, it's it's pretty crazy what happens over that course of time. Traveling somewhere different, having somebody kind of be your tour guide, which you'll have in this case, it's life changing. Well, there's two other aspects to that. One is everybody in this group is from Portland, so yeah. when you get over there, there's the common you can discuss right. what's going on in Portland, where mm-hmm. you go, and yeah. Portland issues. And the other part of it is you don't really need to order anything. Right, it's an that's adventure. taken care of. It's all taken care yeah. of. Everything is, all the great restaurants and everything are taken care of. This is too long for this, but I've always viewed this as a public service announcement. For exactly. anybody listening to this podcast is interested in food, and to me, this is the ultimate experience. If you're into the Portland food scene, why not go with a Portland chef over to some of the most beautiful, delicious places in the world? Absolutely. And may- maybe in the future, you might have a trip with Javier. That's possible. And Go we're to a actually, different, different portion of Spain. I'm in the process of working on one to Mexico City now, which Ooh. I'm really excited about. We'll talk about that later. Very nice. More later. But in the moment, mm-hmm. we have Javier Canteras, who runs a beautiful restaurant, Urdaneta. Um, he's, got a, he's got an American background. He's got a Spanish background. He's got a beautiful wife who was not mentioned in when we recorded this and I don't oh yes in going out to Applebee's right just yeah yeah JL who I just think is fantastic uh, so he serves wonderful food mm-hmm. plays great music he does we, we get to listen to some tunes and has just a, a wonderful delightful wife as well so Javier Contreras Ordenetta yeah so I, no, I have a closet full of black shirts too but um, I had my modern pizza one on this morning, and then decided. To, yeah, yeah. That decided instead that it was better to have a cup of Ristretto Roasters coffee and not have the top attached, and then just spill it all over myself. What fifteen minutes ago, you had pizza. I, I had a modern pe- my modern pizza oh, shirt, okay. which I like to wear on Mondays because it says never on Mondays on it. So I was assuming you had pizza for breakfast, and I was just like, that wouldn't have been right bad. On. I had I had nothing good for it's breakfast. One of my favorite breakfasts, right exactly. there. <laughs> you like your pizza cold or hot in the morning? In the morning, cold. Cold. You know, in the morning, cold. I'm the same way. Once once the pizza goes into the refrigerator and is, is cooled down, the only way to eat it after that, in my opinion, is cold. I agree. I mean, it, it never comes back the same. Yeah, way, it's, it's, not the, it's not the same. Well, it's yeah. not the same once it's in your home. Once <laughs> well, no, it's outside true. of the pizza place. <laughs> no, but true. I would argue that if you do it right the next night, you get the cheese nice and melty and get it going on again. How do you, that's okay. How do you do that, though? The, I've, I've seen on Facebook there's only one real way to do it. What's how do that? you do it? How's that? 
We're, we should you, be asking I, the chef how to do this. You do it in me. a you do it in like a skillet. You throw it in a skillet and you sure. get it crusty on the bottom yeah, and heat it up that cast way. Cast iron skillet. Uh, the, most people throw it in the microwave. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, well, that, you would never do that. Up. That's blasphemous. I don't even own a microwave anymore. <laughs> you don't even own one? Well, I do. Yeah, out, out on the coast, I don't have a, a microwave. Really? Yeah. Wow. So me, I've been going without one for four years. It's the oven for me. Pizza in the oven. Yeah, in yeah. the oven. And you can put it right on the rack, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's fine. All right. All right, we got that solved. Good podcast, Javier. Thank you. All right, all right. thanks, man. Well, Appreciate it. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a microwave? We can come over there to melt butter. <laughs> I do have a microwave, and I also do use it. Yeah. It or not. What do you use it for? You know, I mean, getting home at night after a long restaurant shift, I mean, I'm I'm not shy about heating up a couple hot pockets, you know, for dinner. Nice. Going to bed a after ham that. And cheese. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, you know, that's that's the life, you know, that's that's what it is. You're you're cooking a really fancy food for hours and hours on end and and really sometimes at the end of the night the last thing you want to do is you know, start cooking more fancy food, you know, yeah. so a lot of us really, you know. I, re- I see that quite a bit, it, that it, chefs get off of the shift, and that's one of the reasons I believe a lot of Asian restaurants are open late. Yeah. Right, so that's one of the, that's yeah. my one of my theories is why chefs like pho so much and yeah, that yeah. sort of thing and ramen. Absolutely. Because it's easy to do late at night. It's easy and it's accessible and it, it satisfies, you But know? the irony is that you don't eat as well at all. As your customers do. It's true. And so it's really the, the, the life of being a chef in many ways is just completely altruistic. It's absolutely true. I mean, I, you know, I, I wish that I could, I could say different, but it's, it's really not that way. I mean, you know, I will for sure go buy Taco Bell every now and then on the way home, you know, and that's... Wow, that's we've got true. Hot Pockets and Taco Bell. <laughs> Court, we cannot go lower for Hot <laughs> hey, This is I'm totally relating with this guy. Did I, did I not see that uh, something about Applebee's, too, in the, in the email exchange? Applebee's, yeah, it's a little bit of an inside joke between me and my wife, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, on our days off, you know, we're lazy, you know, we've, you know, we've, we've worked a really long week. Um, we happen to just live by one. You know, right. So my, you know, my little. It's in your neighborhood. It's the neighborhood grill. You know exactly. Yeah. You know, it's not the best food in the world, but you know, it's around the corner, and um, and it's you know, it's not absolutely atrocious either. You know, so, um, you know, I'll tell her, hey, you want to go out for a steak dinner? <laughs> and that's it. And she knows you're talking about the Applebee's. Yeah, down that's the, street. the Applebee's down right, the street. Okay. You know, let's let's go and and you know have a have a couple cocktails and. You know, head back home and, and relax. And there's something nice about that. It's like you're escaping out of Portland. Yeah, to do that right. It's yeah. a little escape. But you know, I've that's a, it's actually an interesting discussion because I feel that we've gotten so caught up in our food culture and how wonderful it is and how fresh everything is and you know I don't need to go through it all. We all understand what it's all about here. Sure. That just the you know, my kids vilify me if they when they see me with a sausage biscuit and a, a cup of dollar coffee from McDonald's. <laughs> right. Like, I have just literally, you know, moved to the other side. Right, right, right. right. I, and I mean, like, politically, I didn't mean anything. Sure, um, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but we we do get a little snobby, but you also can't find those places in the center of Portland. you got to go to the outskirts for the most part. You do. There, there are few, but not too much. Very few, and, and, you know, we're actually lucky in that way. You know, I mean, which I mean, I'm not complaining about that. I, I, I'm glad that they're on the outskirts, you know, um, you know, we happen to, to live in Vancouver at the moment, you know, so um, there's a little bit more of that going on there, you know, 
Um, but in Portland, I mean, we're you know we're absolutely lucky that we have you know so many local restaurants you know that that are doing just ridiculously good food you know and and some of those more chain establishments are you know kind of pushed out to the outskirts and and i i think that that's a great thing you know well not only that aside from finer dining restaurants like yours but if you just feel like something quick and easy we have the best we've got all the food carts oh yeah Absolutely. And 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 now places like Pine Street Market, which I like to go because I like I don't know what I want, but I don't feel like spending twenty five dollars on lunch. Right, and I and I can go in there and just grab it. So that's good. But that segues nicely to we're we're sitting here court with a guy. We I don't think we've had the opportunity to speak with someone who generally grew up in Oklahoma. It's we've true. had a lot of cities here or states. No, and, no Oklahoma yet. Tulsa, Oklahoma, actually. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's yeah. usually my example of when I'm paying, when I'm talking <laughs> and I'm talking about what's not on the coast. Yeah. I usually <laughs> land on Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's in the center, right? Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but dining. So you grew up there from five on. Yes. Correct. Correct. Before that. Probably before your real memories were, was in Spain. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, you you got that instilled in you, much like um, you know breastfeeding at an early age. Yeah. You got some good food into you. <laughs> yeah. And then at five on, you're starting. Uh, you're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm. I would imagine not much farm to table going no, on there. No, especially not at that time. You know, uh, a lot of chain restaurants. You know, um, you know, there's a lot of great barbecue. You know, I mean, you know, we're by Texas and, you know, Kansas City barbecue, you know, delicious. You know, there's a lot of that going on there, and there still is. Um, but, yeah, you know, culture shock, absolutely. You know, coming from, from Spain to Tulsa, Oklahoma, of all places. You but know. you didn't really experience that because you were too young. I, I was. I, I have, like, very, very faint memories of it, you know. Um, you know, not not too many and certainly not as much as my, my parents, of course, you know. Um but, you know, we went back to Spain so often that I think even at a young age, I was able to experience both as I was growing up. How often did you go back as a kid? At first, it was every year. Mm-hmm. You know, it was every year. It was just me, my mother, and my father in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the rest of the family back in Spain. You know, so, you know, my mother wanted to, to visit her mother, you know, and, and things like that. So, we, you know, we would go back often. Um, and as a child, you know, I would... I would have the opportunity to experience both cultures growing up for quite a while. And yeah. I don't think, <clears throat> I suppose you could find more diverse cultures, but that's quite a contrast. <laughs> it right? is. Yeah. Basque. Yeah. So we're in, we're in Spain because you're, one of your parents was Madrid and the other in Basque country. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My, my mother's Basque uh, and my father's from Madrid. So, you know, I, I guess in a lot of ways I'm, I'm the child of, you know, a, a thousand year war, you know, kind of a thing, you know, um, the Basque countries has been, you know, trying to be their, their own country for a really long time, you know? Um, and so I, you know, I'm fortunate actually to be a, a, a mix of, of those two different cultures, which is, um, for food, a really, really cool thing. Do you think that part of you, that, that is genetic or environmental as far as, well, well years of, when you say you're, it's good to be part of both cultures. Sure, that has to be either something you adopt as you go, 
or is there something internal that you know they're they're you've been consuming certain types of food in the family through the bloodline all the years that's i mean that's a definitely a really interesting uh, subject um you know i i strongly believe it's a mix of both i really do you know i think through ancestors you know in 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 history in that way um you know your your body develops certain tendencies and you know it's kind of kind of like an evolution thing you know um so I think it's a product of your environment, but I think that there is something uh, in your genetic makeup that, you know, kind of forces you, you know, to to a, a certain path, you know, as well. I would think so. I, I think I, I think so. I don't know what you know. I'm I'm not sure what the science of it is, but no, and I've never read any. I, I'm sure there are articles out there that exist. Prompts me to want to go look into that a little bit. Well, sure. You know, it's like animals in nature. You know, they're I mean, uh, as a result of, of their environment, you know, they're forced to do certain things and, you know, through evolution that, you know, helps them adapt to the changes of their environment. Right. You know, it's interesting if it's passed on genetically. So um, what were your food memories in Oklahoma then? Barbecue? And, and so you, you didn't... A lot of barbecue. Did, did your parents cook uh, I, Spanish food? Yeah. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Um you know, I think a lot of my childhood was trying to recreate what we missed from Spain, you know, and, and that kind of led to a really interesting style of food. You know, in Oklahoma at the time, you know, you, you really couldn't get things like chorizo and, and manchego and jamón iberico, you know, and all these things. So, you know, we would try and find things that are comparable and try and recreate these dishes that reminded us of home. And as a result of that, you know, it's really interesting, but, you know, sometimes we would make better versions of these dishes um, using what we had around us, you know. So that's why at the restaurant uh, at Urdaneta, I, you know, I, I kind of say this is our own little Spain, you know, because, you know, we're not necessarily trying to recreate exactly what is going on in Spain. You know, we're we're taking the ideology of that food and that culture and using what's around us, you know, to, to make something really delicious. And so as a kid, you know, we ate a lot of things that reflected Spain, but ended up kind of creating our own thing, which is really cool. So that was your training to be a professional chef then? <laughs> well, based on wh- what you're doing with it now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I even find in my travels in Spain... They're doing a lot of creative things there, so there's no specific one. Not not anymore. Yeah, yeah. technique that can be, especially for the different regions. Right. So yeah. you can kind of claim, I believe, geez, we're in this we're in this area now or a time where it gets, uh, it gets a little touchy to even say anything about culture. Sure. And yeah. and discuss yeah. what should be or what shouldn't be. Right. Um, right. So, um, but. That is, is that something, that's not something you were thinking about as a kid, I want to be a chef. You were a musician. I was, yeah. Or you, first, or you were playing music and wanted to be a musician. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, you know, I think, I think music was my first love, you know. Um, my mother played guitar, uh, and, you know, there was always a guitar around, uh, you know, my, my father played the drums, you know, he was in a band in Spain. You know, they actually got to tour all over Spain. Um, you know, so I, I kind of I came from a musical, you know, family already. 
Was there a drum set set up in the house? No, they never, no. I wanted to be a drummer, you know, but... I, I did too. My my dad was like, no, this is it's going to be too loud. <laughs> so they never let me get a, a drum set. Um, you know, so I, I, I wanted to, to play guitar. Uh, you know, at the time I was into, you know, more kind of like heavy, you know, metal music, you know, that kind of stuff. So take us to the year that would have been like around in high school or junior high school? Uh, I think about junior high school or so. I was, I was probably around 12. You know? Okay. And that would have been what year around? Oh, gosh. I don't, I don't have 80, 87 maybe? Oh, you look yeah. much younger than that. I know I do, but I'm 42. I wow, I would have thought, I was going to think 90s, mid to late 90s. Right. I was say that was Thanks, happening. man. That's a Spanish so. blood. Spanish blood. Yeah, flag. really? <laughs> I need some of that, man. If I eat more of your food, will that happen? I guess so. <laughs> it should. Out. It's healthy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, you know, music was really my, my first thing. Um, you know, there was... A couple summers where I, I mowed a bunch of lawns and and made some money for myself, and I went out and I bought my first guitar. You know, just started playing. That's a little bit like Springsteen's story, although he wasn't mowing lawns. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. Well, he was working in a mill. Is that what it was? I don't know. No, he was. Uh, about yeah. Have you ever re- have you <laughs> have you read Springsteen's book? No, I haven't. I I'm not a big voracious reader, but that one was awesome. Yeah. Especially if you do the Audible version where he reads it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So you might enjoy that because. He went down that path and I'll, certainly made it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll check it out. I strongly suggest it. Born to Run, I believe it's called. Um, so um, what made you, so you were a kid and you were into music, which a lot of kids are. You know, a lot of, of people course. pick up, good, you know, as an escape sure. or because yeah. that's really um, one of the big influences of anybody's childhood. And, you know, I was driving in here this morning and... Uh, God, I don't know if I should. I was listening to Ricky. Don't lose that number, uh-huh. man. That took me back to driving down to the beach. Sure. In when I was in high school, and that also ages me right now. But <laughs> I'm okay with that. But yeah. But I mean, but so does. those memories stick with us, and those are important parts of our lives. At yeah. that, there are only certain things that are going to generally going to influence people at a young age. Music is a big one. So, mm-hmm. but you on the. On the um, index of loving something, it was pretty high for you, enough to want to pursue it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I, I think my first band, you know, I started when I was about 15 or 16. You know, we didn't know what we were doing at the time, but, you know, uh, I, it was something I, I took really, really seriously. You know, my, I had very loving parents that supported me in that. Um, so you had announced to them, this is what I want to do? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and and so the the your band members were they friends? Were you seeking out people who were good at what they did? You know, I mean, it it, it started. You know, when you're a kid, I mean, you know, you're exploring that kind of stuff. It, it really started with the neighborhood kids. You know, it's like ah, you know, this guy down the street, he's got a set of drums. You know, I don't know if he can play or not, but he's got drums. I have a guitar. You know, let's make a bunch of noise. I think that's the way, I think that's the way most bands Mm -hmm. first form is you got an instrument you're in. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's not a contract. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big U2 guy and I mean, they've gone on to like the biggest you could probably ever be. And that's exactly how they started. They're like, you got a guitar, you're in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so with most, that's generally, we'll we'll figure out how to play later. Exactly. And then the reasons that bands don't get very far is along the way you've got the politics involved. Like, 
gee, there's, you know, Bill over there. He right. sucks at what he does. We right. have to replace him. Right, right. And, and, then, and But he's my best friend. Right. So Yeah, I mean, I mean, that makes it really, really difficult. But then, you know, as you get older and as you get better at what you're doing, then you start to seek, you know, well, man, you know, Jimmy over here is really not the best drummer. You know? Right. But I got kicked out of the band I was in high school because <laughs> I was the singer and the rhythm guitar player and I could never make it to practice because I was playing football. It was just like, ah, and I wasn't that good. Right, right. It's like, that guy's out. <laughs> I was, and I was okay with it. I was, we didn't go anywhere. Sure. Yeah. It was, it was, it was the time. Yeah. It was the time. Mm -hmm. You know, and, that, and that's really, that's how it goes. You know, you, you start to get older, you start to get better at what you're doing and, and you want to, you know, have your music be better, you know, and then you, you find people that are just better at those things, you know, that can like, can match what you're doing, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and that's what I did, you know. So did everybody else think you, you were really good at guitar? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, that's all I did for pretty much, you know, I don't know, eight hours a day was just sit in my room and, and play guitar. And for how long? Well, now... Up until you... When did you move to Portland? What year? Or how old were you? 99. 99. Uh, so, so that would have... 20-something. 20, 20 22, so, maybe. So at that point, you had seven years in? Seven? No, I started playing guitar about 11 or 12. Oh, earlier than yeah, that. So yeah. almost... Yeah. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, I, you know, playing in bands is, is one thing and playing music is one thing, but I was always really fascinated with the recording side of it. So sometimes I actually think I started playing music just so I can record it. So I really got into that later, you know, like kind of the production side and, and the studio stuff, you know, and, and all those things. And know? in those days you had to jump through a few more hoops oh, because yeah. now you can just... You can set up it, a studio in your house. Yeah, yeah. pretty easily. Yep. Yeah, and it, it'll sound great, Yeah, you know. And now you can't do that. So yeah. you, you sent us a couple of clips. And yeah. from what era are they in your life? The uh, the music? Yeah, the music. It, it's actually uh, pretty recent. Uh, two of the songs, I think, are just from a few years ago. Uh, it's from an album called Drive-By High Fives. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a song on there called Meet Me Half the Way, which we had a, a little video for. Mm -hmm. You can find it on, uh, on YouTube. Um, and then there's another song called Limp. Um, and I think that was from an album before that called Casualties of Awesome. Uh, and then I think the last song I sent is She's So Ghetto. Uh, and I think that's from our, our latest album, Drive By High Five. So you're still playing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Think, yeah, and we, when do you have time? You got a chef, <laughs> you got a, you're a chef, you got a kid. Um, yeah. When, when do you have time to do this? I have no idea. I don't even know how I pull it off. Um, you know, with a lot of shows, especially, you know, local shows, um, you know, we tend to go on later at night, you know, and really that's, that's just the, that's the answer is, you know. And he's sacrificing Hot Pockets to play. <laughs> <laughs> or that special night at Applebee's. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll for sure, um, I'll for sure get some pizza while I'm not playing the show for sure. This would be a great time, Chris, for us to talk about our good friends at Standard TV and Appliance. And Jen Air. And Jen Air, both founded in 1947. Exactly. What a coincidence. And they've 
paired together to support this podcast. We're very happy about that. And if, we have good things to say. Yeah, if you've dreamed of having a, an appliance that is connected to, to your Wi-Fi, for example, that you can control from, you know, maybe the office, Gen Air's got it. And standard TV appliance has the Gen Air. Right. So you, you're connected in every other way. Why not set your oven up so it'll start when you're on your way home yep or you got that casserole sitting in there so it turns on and it's ready right when you walk in the door exactly and this is this is the wave of the future so get in now mm-hmm. um, and i'd love to have that so i think it's great that we have standard tv and appliance which is locally owned and oregon based it's awesome i agree that's what we're looking for on this podcast and um also they're so kind as to if you've shopped for a Jenner appliance mm-hmm. use the word fork and don't just say fork. Right. Don't don't walk up to the salesperson while you're purchasing the Gen Air and wink and say fork. Right. You I, need to just say, I heard this on right at the fork. And hopefully they'll know what you were talking about. But again, we suggest you say that anyway when you walk in the door. Right. And the reason why is because they'll uh, they'll include a five-year warranty on your Gen Air appliance. Oh, thanks for yeah. supplying that information. Yeah. No, <laughs> you could just mention, hey, by the way, I listened to right at the fork. But right. But five-year warranty is pretty there's good. There's a benefit to it. Yes, exactly. They've got uh, five locations to serve you. So pretty much wherever you are, they are too. Right. There's one right there on uh, Sandy mm-hmm. that's that's great with a great showroom. Yep. And also standardtvandappliance.com. If you go to our website, rightatthefork.com, you can click through and it'll take you right to the Gen Air portion of Standard TV and Appliance website. So, Court, you want to intro one of these? We'll play one. Yeah, I've got. Uh, which one do you? Which one should we play? Let's play a uh, She's So Ghetto. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a fun one. All right. Make sure my computer's gonna play this. There it is. Pretty metal, yeah. You know, it's it's got little influences of of punk and pop and you know, that, interesting interesting chord progressions. Yeah. You know, it's nice. I don't I don't want you to stop. I like it. I, I wasn't wishing for it to end. <laughs> you, want, you, you want you want an encore? No. So yeah. are you you're pl- are you singing on here as well, or is it just guitar? Yeah, I'm just playing guitar. Uh, Singing some backup vocals. Uh, it's it's a pretty interesting setup as far as bands are concerned because our drummer is actually our lead singer. Mm. I, I always love those dynamics because it goes yeah. against the normal, you know, front man, totally. every, everybody else behind him type thing. Is when when it's and if you, I don't know if you've ever had to drum and sing at the same time. It's really. I hard. think that's where the true talent is. It's really really hard. Yeah. Our, yeah. I would imagine you're completely out of breath. That's got to be tough. Yeah, yeah. And our our drummer um, sets up in the front of the stage. And, and you know the guitars and the bass and stuff. You know we kind of set up 
kind of behind him. Yeah. So it's kind of like a reverse setup. Yeah. Is, it's really kind of it's fun and interesting. It's a little it's a little unique. You know when you when you see the show. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's it's really just it's a lot of fun. You know, it's it's. So did you write some of this? Or yeah. Did you write it? Yeah. Well, we, we kind of collaborate. You know, collaborate when we write. A lot of the songs are actually written by by our drummer singer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a very talented. What's guy, his name? Donnie Rife. Okay. And the name and of your band? Smooch Knob. Smooch Knob. Smooch Knob. Yeah. So go look. And how often are you playing around Portland? You know, we play about uh, five or six times a year. Okay. Um, you know, we we try and make every show a really special event. You know, meaning that we learned a long time ago that if you play every weekend, people stop coming to see you, <laughs> you know? So it's a and special occasion thing. It's one of those yeah. things where it's kind of like, well, I'll just check them out next weekend, you know? And, and you know, so we figured out, well, you know, let's play, you know, five, six, seven, eight times a year, get everybody really psyched up for these shows and, and make them huge events, you know, when we do play. And, you know, the rest of the time we're, you know, writing songs or in the studio or... Got a gig coming up that would be in July or August? I think we actually, we have one in September. Okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure about the details. Right and where now. would someone look that up? Um, there's definitely the, you know, website, Facebook, smoochnob.com. Um, and don't know. forget everybody's knob is spelled with a K. Right. I assume you spell yeah, it with a K. with a K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, And you probably, I hope you have it set up so that those who don't spell it, it directs back to the... <laughs> Back, the to, right back to the right way, yeah. Okay. So uh, that's very cool. I like that. Yeah. I will seek you out. I didn't know coming coming in what that was going to sound like. Sure, I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. it lo- yeah. Reminded me a little of my uh, Whiskey A Go Go days back in 1978. Right on, yeah. 19, yeah. when I worked there. So uh, I had no business working there, but it was fun. <laughs> stage manager. Lighting. lighting. Really? Yeah, I did man- the stage managing and lighting there for. A year, less than a year. Wow. And then went back to school. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so that was my exposure to the whole thing. Yeah. So um, are there any skills that you use in music that, that translate to being a chef that have served you well? You know, other than just generally using my hands, you know, um, you know, definitely playing guitar for, I mean, going on God, you know, 25 years now, you know, I think, you know, my hands are, are very well trained to do very kind of detail work you know you're you're using those muscles when you're playing guitar all the time you know as far as physically you know that but i think more than anything it's um it's the mental aspect well that's what i that's kind of what i was getting at the creative aspect you know of of playing music and cooking food are very similar coursed out right you got five or six courses you got five or six you know, you got a few songs on the album. Yeah. I think there's some parallels. Yeah, you know, it's that classic, you know, example of, you know, you're creating a symphony on a plate, right? You have a bunch of different components, just like you have a, a drummer, a guitarist, and a and a, a bass player, and a singer. Well, on a plate, you know, you, you need to have the right balance happening. You need to have something sweet, salty, sour, you know, bitter. And, and it's it's really a composition of different elements that all those things working together make that successful. Well, you also have yeah. your band in the kitchen, too. Yeah, yeah. you got to put that, you're not doing it all yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, the, the symphony of, of everybody around you, you know. Um, and all that combined, you know, it's very much, an, it's an art form, you know, no matter how you look at it. You know? So here's the trivial question that means nothing, but just thought I'd ask. Sure. If someone said, okay, we got this 
gig for you, you're going to make half a million dollars a year. Okay. Do you want to be a chef or would you rather just go tour? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really great question. <laughs> um, I think at this point in my life, um, I want to be a chef. Yeah, I want to be a chef. Dude, that was the proper answer. Yeah, you know. I'm not, I don't know if it's the right answer, but, <laughs> but in terms of, of getting people into your restaurant, I think that's probably a good idea. Yeah, you know, I mean, I certainly have a, a love for both things, but, um, you know, being a chef really, really satisfies me um, more, you know, so. And what do you get the most satisfaction out of? I know I've, I've been to your restaurant a couple of times, mm-hmm. really enjoy it. I think it's got got everything going not only is the food delicious but the atmosphere to me is great i think you have hands down and i mentioned this some of the best front of the house staff oh thank you um i have experience in portland i'm remiss in not remembering the gentleman who uh waited on us the first night i was there i believe it was andre Andre was it andre or john one of those well who waited the other day who was that it was because it wasn't him i think it was john yeah yeah so it was andre yeah that guy was made our experience yeah. so nice. We're really lucky to have him. Yeah, I mean he knows he knows your food really in, well in and out, yeah. and presents it, and he makes it part of the whole experience. So yeah, and as a chef, I mean that's that's the best you know you can ask for is. is I hope he's going to be there the night we do our event. He is absolutely August 9th. I'm going to yeah. put. I like this because I get to put a little, do my negotiations <laughs> after the fact, right on the podcast. So I just put put, put him, him on, on the spot. spot. Right, exactly. Yeah. So there's that. There's yeah. the hamachi crudo. Yeah, is that going to be on the menu that night? It can be. Yeah. Well, know? that was the question. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can be. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I actually I haven't started working on that many quite yet. I'm sure you haven't. We have we have quite a, we have a little bit of work to do just on the event itself to yeah. get to. I got I have lots of great ideas. Lots Good. Great ideas. Well, and it's okay. It's two months. Yeah. Two months out, August 9th. Yeah. August which you 9th. can find on PortlandFoodAdventures.com. Yep, absolutely. And uh, we have plenty of seats. We just put it up for sale. So I came to eat with uh, Rick Cencarelli the yeah. other night. Yeah, that was awesome. He um, he really enjoyed it. He had not. See, here's the thing. He lives not far from you. Yeah. He had not heard of your restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the thing I think restaurateurs have to keep in mind that you're living the, that life. And, you know, Erdonetta is everything to you every day. Yeah, yeah. But, and you think that, you know, you see some press and you hear people talking about you. Right. But that's the small universe of people who actually know about, A, the Portland food scene. There are, there's a large percentage of people that don't know there's a food scene going on here, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find that crazy. It's surprising. Yeah. I know. And then, then you take a smaller subset of anybody who knows of any given restaurant, especially a new one. Yeah. Um, and that leads us to, you're pretty fresh and new. How long ago did you open? About 10 months ago. 10 it'll months? Be, yeah, it'll be a year in July. So is there a build so from the get-go, what have you seen in 10 months? How's, how's business been? How, it's been fantastic. You know. Has it progressed consistently? Did it start out strong? And It did. You know, it actually started out a lot stronger than we, we had intended, um, you know, which you know, kind of kicked our asses you know, right off the bat. You know, um, and it's just really progressively gone up. Um, you know, there was some really kind of slower days in the winter, you know, when we well, had everybody you know, had all those those. snow days, that was kind of rough for everybody in town, you know, and that's, you know, that's just kind of normal stuff, you know, um, but, you know, putting that aside, everything's just kind of been in an upward motion since the day we 
opened and you know for us that's i mean that's the biggest reward that you know i can i can think of um that's great but and now when you opened you had uh some knowledge of spanish food out there so yeah. um you know atala and chesa and of course toro bravo sure, its course. version as well had been open and and uh, so there's some knowledge of it. How do you think that might have gone had those places not preceded you? And then I guess the follow-up is what's going to happen moving forward. Now we've got two festivals going on this right. summer. Oh, yeah. Uh, or two two Spanish food events, big events. Yeah. And then you've got Confant just yeah. opening. Just opening. Those yeah. sorts of mm-hmm. things. So how do, what, how do you think it's... Is that all good for what you're doing or is it... At some point, is there saturation not only of Spanish food but restaurants, and do you think that's going to be a problem? You know, I mean, I I love it. I personally, I I love it. I think that the more awareness we can create of Spain, um, you know, the more successful the Spanish restaurants in Portland are, are going to be. You know, we owe a lot to to John Gorham and, and Toro Bravo for, um, you know, for really bringing that to Portland. Um, everyone that has has followed after that, um, you know, has been, has you know, has had customers because because of that. You know? I've I've been in both restaurants, Atala mm-hmm. and Toro Bravo, quite a bit, and I don't think there's a time when I don't overhear somebody saying, when they're at one of them, "Have you been to the right. other one?" Yeah, absolutely. And now I would assume that yours is going your. Yours will be included in that discussion too, or already is. It it, it has been already, which is you know it's a, a huge huge compliment you know for us. I think they help, and I you know I've seen this is just personal, just a zillion ramen places opening, sure. and to me it's good. They're all fine, but how many more of those do we need? Right. I love because I I found love with Barcelona cuisine and Spanish cuisine enough so that. Um, Jose and I started working on taking people there yeah. so they could really experience it in the best way possible. That's great. Um, and really love it. And I think it's fantastic if it's proliferating in any city, but yeah. especially here in Portland, it should be. And think about it. We have two events this summer that are specifically geared around Spanish cuisine. That's the, fantastic. Uh, yeah. Tapas tour, which will have just occurred mm-hmm. when this starts streaming. And then... La Ruta, La Ruta Festival, which yeah. will be um, July, what? Thir- it's uh, 13th through the 16th. 16th, yeah. No, I'm supposed to know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, July 13th through the 16th. I was just wondering whether it's the, the meat of it starts on the 14th. No pun yeah. intended. Yeah, 14, yeah, yeah. 15, yeah. No, you're right. Um, but it's really cool that it's it's proliferated and if, like four years ago, yeah, I it mean, wasn't the case. No, no. You know, and, and you spoke about, you know, saturation you know in 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 the portland market and you know we're we're definitely not there you know i mean i think there's there's still more room for that that culture in portland um it's a really competitive town and yes you know there's a fantastic restaurant on every corner you know in portland not only that the one that just opened (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know but you know we're, we're not we're not saturated and and um you don't think we're saturated? I think we. I think we have more restaurants than we need. Yeah, restaurants in general. I I would totally agree with you. But I mean, Spanish restaurants. Oh, oh no, no, no! <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't argue with you on that. Yeah, but yeah. I would. Ar- I would say that you know it's got to be. It's tough. Yeah. It's tougher now to it open is. a restaurant 
and I, I have not done it, but just from what my talking to people mm. and just understanding a little bit about economics, it's tougher now than it was eight, seven, eight years ago. Oh, absolutely. The rents are higher. Yeah. The risk is, the, you know, it used to be you could play around a little bit and right. be creative and the risk not have as much downside. Now you can just go under if you're not doing the right thing oh, yeah, pretty I mean, quickly. I think statistically it's, it's still, you know, 80% of, of restaurants, you know, fail, you know. And so in a town where there's so many restaurants opening, I mean, you know, I think there's like a hundred restaurants that just opened while we've been talking, <laughs> you know, um, it, it makes it really, really, really difficult in this town, you know, but at the same time, you know, if you succeed, you, you succeed really big, you know? Yeah. How big though? Cause that's my question. I don't see, I don't, and, and you have to have a certain discipline and passion to be a chef. Yeah. So you're not going, I don't know many chefs going into it saying, hey, we want to build something so big that we can go vacation in, right. in, right. Uh, in Cancun no. 17 yeah. months or 17 weeks a year. No. Um, that's not happening. So no. it's, it's, that successful is all relative. So like the chefs are in Las Vegas and Los Angeles, they're driving, you know, Bentley, <laughs> Bentleys right. and they get out of it here. Right. You just want to keep it open and keep everybody employed and, and make some decent money and put a little away from your kid's college, I would right. imagine. And, you know, being being relative, you know, talking about, you know, success and, and how it's relative to you, I mean, I think I think that that's succeeding, you know. Um, you know, it, it all depends on what you think of success, of course. But, you know, someone like me, you know, as long as, you know, I'm passionate and happy with what I'm doing, and creating a, a great life for my family and my my staff is happy with what they're doing that's huge success you know as long as we can pay our bills and, and be happy huge success and i think that's an ethos that comes a little bit from europe too yeah. as well there's a different kind of passion it's not i mean yes maintaining a business and making money is important but that's not the that's right. not the uh the primary right. motive as long as you keep it going. Right, right, right. So, um, talking about opening a restaurant, we mm. were discussing the um, cost of getting into business. Mm. You had, you appeared on a TV show and, you know, uh, won a nice amount, but you said that's not, that wasn't used to open the restaurant. It wasn't. Um, you know, I, I actually never, I never really received any money. Uh, you know, the show was, was Restaurant Startup a couple of years ago. Uh, actually went into it uh, pitching a, a pop-up I was doing at, a t at the time called Bocadillo, which is a, a kind of a casual Spanish, Spanish uh, sandwich shop. Um, you know, and through the progression of that show, actually Urdaneta was, was born on that show, which, you know, I owe them quite a bit for that. Um, you know, later they actually sent me to Spain and, you know, I, I owe them a lot for that. But um, the investment that that I won on the show um, actually never happened. Uh, so I ended how up... Does that, how did that work? You, you know... Mean the check never came or it was well, taxes <laughs> or... It's kind of, It's one of those things where, you know, that you're on the show, but the show doesn't actually promise, you know, that you're going to receive any money. And, and the investment deal is separate from the show, meaning you're dealing with the investor outside of the show. Oh, and you signed a disclaimer. Sure. So they're kind of out of the picture. Right. And, you know, I knew that going into it. Oh, course. that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. 
Yeah. So, you know, at the last minute, you know, that didn't work out. You know, it just, it just didn't. So they get all, they get all the uh, kudos for handing someone $150,000. Right. But they don't actually do it. Right. That's like, that's (laughs) like when my kid's grandmother used to, well, it's not the same thing. Used to send the checks and then it would get lost and then she'd get pissed off at me and I'd say, well, you got the you got the credit for giving the gift. You right. didn't have to. You, it didn't come out of your account. Right. What are you yelling at me for? No. It's all good for you. Right, right. So, um, but yeah. at any rate, so that and do you have any legal recourse, or do you just at that point say no? Yeah, just, we just you know I just I just let it go. You know, I mean we we were actually talking for uh, for the next year after the show. You know, everything seemed <clears throat> promising. Um. And just, you know, kind of at the last minute when I'd found just the perfect space, uh, you know, the right rent, you know, the right size, right neighborhood, everything. Um, and I was ready to go. And where was that, if I might ask? It's actually where I am now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I was, I was ready to go and I was telling, uh, you know, the investor, you know, I, I need that money, you know, if we're going to do this thing. And. Um, he kind of backed out just at the last second, you know, and I really, I and there's no contract that says he can't do that. I mean, I guess there's obviously so many variables that they don't have to go for everything. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a timing thing, you know, really, I I was ready to go. He wasn't. And, you know, ultimately what I did was, um, open, I opened it up on my own. You know, I, I, uh, I went to some, some family, you know, got some loans, kind of worked out a deal um, with the, the previous owner of the space. Um, and here I am, you know, I, I barely, barely opened it up. You might be better off. You have no idea what I'm, life would have been like. I think I'm, I'm way better off. You yeah. might've ended up in a Lardo situation. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was, that was, that was my thought is term. You answer to yourself now rather than this that, investor that. Or closer absolutely. people who he knows a yeah. little better right. than some. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Than an investor who wanted probably the, the credits at the end of the TV show. Right, right. I would imagine. Yeah, in, in this case, you know, I, I own, you know, most of the place. Um, and the people that I'm in business with are, you know, people that, that I love, you know. So um, it's a win-win for me, you know, at, at the end of the day. So I'm, I'm really happy that it turned out this way. But a lot of people assume that, you know, I, I just miraculously had $150,000 in the bank and I opened up with the net, but that's, that's really not what happened. And I think it's kind of important for people to know that. I mean, it's not crucial no. because there are only so many people who delve that far into the food scene to know. And sure. those people would probably come to Ordinetta anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in this city, I think there's a, there would be a different attitude towards someone who right. sweated and put it together themselves or just wanted on a TV show. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think you're probably better off. So if we can dispel the myth yeah. of the fact that you won money. Yeah. And you did earn it. How, by the way, what did you have to do? I, I haven't seen that show. Yeah. Was, what did you have to do to earn that? It's a crazy experience. Uh, they flew us down to LA. Um, you had to pitch a concept. If they like your concept, you move on to the next round. And oh, you, I have seen this. Yeah, yes. you, you have to open up a basically a, a pop-up restaurant in 36 hours with uh, $7,500. Um, and that's what we did. You know, we, we did exactly that. And did you do that? Was your motivation in doing the TV show the money? Or what did you say, this will be fun? Because I know there are a lot of chefs who look at those things and say, you know what, 
I, this is ridiculous. Yeah. However, <laughs> it's good. It's good PR. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it was for me. Um, you know, at the time I was um, wasn't doing a whole lot. You know, I was doing a couple pop ups. Um, I had the time for it. You know, um, and it you know it wasn't about the money. You know, it was more about creating an opportunity for myself getting getting my foot in the door you know basically and even if you don't win you're on tv and so you get that going exactly for you. at the end of the day it's it's really good pr and and you know and and it really did that for me you know actually you know we had some really great articles that came out of that i actually got a trip to spain out of it you know um and so it it really really helped me open up urdaneta even if financially you know i, I did it on my own you know which actually worked out better in this case for me anyway. That's a better test than the one that you actually had on the pop-up to put together something in 36 hours yeah. to actually find out, hey, I'm not getting that money. Now i got to scramble to get this spot that I have now fallen deeply in love with. Absolutely. And by the way, that was that's a pretty hot spot you have there. Thank I'm you. sure there are a lot of other restaurateurs, potential restaurateurs, that would have wanted that spot. I mean, how many how many really nice restaurants... Around the corner, you've got quite a few, but on Alberta itself, right. other than Aviary, right. and that's no slight to the Big sure, Eggs sure. and all those places, on the, but there's, there aren't many places you can stop in at 8 or 9 o'clock. Right. I mean, of course, Court, Tenali's Donuts, we can have a, we can have a French crawler fest over there. Right, sure. Right? Yeah. I'm there often. Yeah, yeah. Do you like their French crawlers? Love it. Yeah. Oh, man. There's something, I've, I like those in different places. Yeah. There's something about those. Absolutely. And fresh out of the oven. Oh, the best. I mean, the, the fryer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything they do is, is great. You know? And they're open until midnight. It's so, it, I, I cite that as a real problem for my health. <laughs> Being in that area and just saying, hey, I'll buzz over, to, buzz over there. <laughs> right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans, unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years, Zupans Markets. La Ruta PDX. Get tickets now for the first ever La Ruta PDX Festival. Top chefs from Spain and around the world. Join forces with chefs from Portland dedicated to Spanish cuisine. It's a gastronomic festival July 14th through the 16th. That's four days of dinners, events, workshops, demos, and cultural experiences. Find out more and buy tickets at larutapdx.com. Standard TV and Appliance. Standard TV and Appliance offers the largest selection, fast delivery, professional installation, and live kitchens where you can try before you buy. Oregon-based and family-owned, setting the standard since 1947. Standard TV and Appliance is your place for quality Gen Air appliances and more. And by Portland Food Adventures. Imagine eating your way through Barcelona with Italo's Jose Chesa or Tuscany with Lardo and Grasa's Rick Gincarelli. Join right at the Four Coast Chris Angeles with these great chefs in Europe this fall. Get more information under the blog tab at portlandfoodadventures.com where you can contact Chris directly. Um, so have you gotten to know a lot of your neighbors in Alberta? Yeah, yeah, a, a fair amount. You know, definitely the big egg. I frequent that place often. Their sandwiches are killer. Um, there's a Vita Cafe next door. Um, 
which was actually owned by Aaron from Natural Selection that I got the space from. He actually owned the Vita Cafe next door. Also. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he sold it since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sold both places. Is he yeah. out in Hood River now? He is. Yeah, he moved out there with his family. I think he's... Um, Aaron Wu. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to put together a pop-up uh, right now. Oh, he's last, not living there. Last thing I heard. Yeah, yeah. Um, really great guy. I mean, he's not. he doesn't have a restaurant there. No, no, not yet. Um, so are you friends? Did you have to negotiate with him on that? We did. Um, we negotiated, you know, together. There, there was a somebody, there was a, a broker that we both knew, you know, that kind of acted as a, a middle person. Um, you know, we're both chefs, you know, at the end of the day. And, and, you know, we needed somebody to kind of really help with that kind of negotiation. So, um, but yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, Aaron made it really accessible and possible for me to have that space. So I, I actually owe him quite a bit of, of gratitude for that. Good, Aaron, if you're listening, go in and get some free Amachi crudo. Come on in. Comp. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, other than some of the spots on Alberta and Applebee's, which we've already mentioned, and, <laughs> and the local wherever you get your hot pockets, um, what else are you? Uh, what other places are you digging in Portland? Um, you know, just recently I had had the opportunity to go to Tusk. Was really, um, really, really happy with with the dinner there. They're doing some really great things, really delicious food. Um, you know, I, we don't have a, a lot of chances to to get out, you know, we're... You got to find the Monday and Tuesday nights, right? Yeah, yeah. And there are some places that I would love to go to on, on a Monday and they're closed, you know, and so it makes it really tricky for, for me and my wife. Those um, are usually my nights out too, so I'm... Yeah. It's one of the reasons I find myself at Deadshot, because <laughs> I know, oh, this is, this it's is there and it's open and yeah, it's yeah. a cool spot. Um, but, you know, on, on the rare occasion that, you know, we have a chance to get out, um, you know, I recently went, went to uh, Han Oaks Dumpling night mm-hmm. that's sunday and monday exactly you know and and it was it was fantastic fantastic um you know other than that um you know we, we just kind of stick you know to our neighborhood spots you know and and that kind of stuff and, and where are where is your neighborhood it's in vancouver oh right 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 yeah. you mentioned that for some reason i was thinking southwest so i was going to try to oh. pull out some of your favorites over there yeah, yeah. um how about anything in vancouver uh, we don't get chefs talking about Vancouver very much, and I have my dear friend Wendy, yeah. who's like one of the most prolific, and I know she's been to your restaurant, yeah. uh, who's over in Vancouver, and she finds an occasional gem, but has to travel the river, too, yeah. Yeah. of Locav, Oregon. I have to give Wendy Baumgartner a shout out. I don't have to. I like to. <laughs> you like to. Yeah. She's very dear to me. You know, there. I mean, there's some definitely some gems in Vancouver, especially, uh, you know, downtown Vancouver is really really growing right now um you know but you know once again we're you know we're really mostly in portland you know and so you know we we don't we just don't have a lot all right i'm fishing for one good spot in vancouver for somebody if they're over there you don't have it i can't can't think i'm blanking out that's okay you're blanking we'll ask wendy to uh pop it in and we'll put it in the show notes Cool. Her, her favorite view of vancouver she'll be happy to do that she actually has done it there is a there's a soundbite Wendy did on oh, yeah. Vancouver. Sure, yeah. Back a couple of years. We need to have her update that then. That's the prompt. See, we do, <laughs> we do the show just so we can, we can develop further shows because that's the only time we have to talk about it. Um, all right, so what's new for Urdaneta coming up? Anything that um, 
you have planned. What are you going to do for La Ruta? Well, La Ruta <clears throat> in July, I'm, I have the opportunity to work with um, Miquel de Luis. Uh, he's also from Bilbao, which was you know originally where I was born. Uh, we're going to do a, an ambassador dinner collaboration together, uh, and that's July 14th. Um, for Tapas Week, you know, we're going to have a, a, a Tapas menu, very traditional Spanish, you know, kind of a, a three-course menu, uh, probably pair some wines with it. Um, you can come in and get, and, and that will be just a special menu just for that, that week. Um, you know, so that's, you know, we're just kind of looking at summer menus, you know. Uh, you must be excited since you opened late later summer. Mm-hmm. Now you've got earlier summer. You've got a whole season in front of you. Yeah, which is, of of that because you've just gotten through the tougher winter. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and last summer, you know, like I said, we started really strong off the bat. Um, you know, which was really really awesome. And so coming back into that, you know, kind of full cycle, you know, um, it's going to be really. Exciting to see how that, you know, how that happens. All right, last question. Someone yeah. comes to you and says, I want to go to Spain mm-hmm. and eat eat like a beast. What city do you suggest they go to? Man, I personally think that, that Basque food is the best food in the world. Um, you know, right now I would go to either Bilbao or San Sebastián. Um, you know, the food that's coming out of both of those places is just some of the best some of the best in there. and it's it's yeah. great grazing too you yeah. don't have to commit you to any one restaurant that's on a mo- given night that's you just m- jump around most of the fun is that you know it's it's the variety that that you get to try you know just kind of hopping from tapas bar to tapas bar you know that that's what half the fun is well spain also i believe is a lot like oregon in in so far as i moved here i discovered portland and the coast and i fell in love with those and then all of a sudden you're going down to Bend, and you go. There's this here, yeah. And then, uh, and then the Wallawas, which to me was like, holy shit! I've discovered all these wonderful things about Oregon, and this existed too. Yeah. Same thing with Spain. Yeah. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to Barcelona, fell in love with that, and then your proper pronunciation, San Sebastian. Yeah. <laughs> um, there and just re- most recently Madrid. I didn't eat in Bilbao other than at the museum, which was actually a pretty good, the damn good meal at the Guggenheim. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Madrid was really fun to tool around and had some great food there. And that's when I got there, I just wanted to go places that did not speak English, yeah. where I had a tough time uh, getting by, but I just wanted to eat local dive food. Madrid's in, fantastic. In Madrid. That's great. actually really what turned me on to, to becoming a, a chef was being in Madrid and visiting my uncle. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, so thank you. If you want to visit Madrid now or or Basque Country, you go into Urdaneta. And by the way, I assume UrdanetaPDX.com. Yeah. Also, those are that's that would be the handle on Instagram, I would yeah. imagine, yeah. also. Yeah. So check it out. And thanks for checking us out, coming on in. I thank appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right